Joining us for the rest of the hour, Stefan Molyneux with his new book out, The Art of the Argument, theartoftheargument.com. And, and, and we'll get into the DREAM Act and his Trump going sideways in the second part of the interview. I want to get directly, obviously, as he does, uh, into the strategic genius of what Trump's done. Oh, you for the third year, you want to bitch and complain and hijack sporting events and take them over in your pity party when you're these you know, guys worth hundreds of millions of dollars and all the rest of it. He knows everybody's done with celebrity. He's always been the blue collar billionaire. He knows this is the time to make his move. So he invokes them to attack him to show just how clear this attack on America is. And it's now being called the suicide of the NFL. They're now apologizing. They're now backing off. They're now hiring PR experts. They don't know what to do. So Stefan Molyneux, uh, I mean, this just looks like pure victory to me. What do you think? Well, they're coming for everything that you love. They're coming for everything that makes you happy. They're coming for everything that gives you joy and satisfaction and connection and pride and community. And uh, yeah, they're coming for your sports teams. They're coming for your movies. They're coming for your music. Uh, the joyless people, the joyless brigade of happiness-eating zombies are coming, and they're not going to stop until you push back. They're trying to spread misery. You know that old phrase, misery loves company. There's a profoundly unhappy, discontented, neurotic people, and they kind of want to spread that mindset. And they do that by making you feel terrible for everything that you might potentially enjoy until you have nothing left to defend and they can take over. Beautifully crystallized, like only Stefan Molyneux can do. So, as the sh as the shrillness and the drumbeat goes to fever pitch, ramming speed, when they've already turned it up to eleven, where do they go next? Well, I mean, they will continue uh, as they did in Soviet Russia, as they're doing in South Africa. They will continue to erase your history. They will continue to strip down everything that you love and that makes you proud of, of where you came from. Oh, do you like Shakespeare? Sorry, just an old white racist dude. Oh, do you like Dickens? Do you like Beethoven? Do you like John Locke? No, no, no. They were hidebound. They supported this, that, or the other. It was all imperialism and evil and nastiness and terror. I mean, it's just natural. This is the corrosive effect that this kind of rampant hostility has towards a particular culture. You know, other cultures, other worldviews are always trying to storm the ramparts of the West, of the good. Uh, and uh, it is a terrible thing to, to see. And unfortunately, we just have to pick up the cultural weapons uh, and, and fight back. Why not just adopt the best parts of the West and the best parts of the East like Japan's done? I mean, I mean, why not just 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 uh, adopt? Because the West is is about adopting whatever works, whatever is prosperous. Why why is there a war against that? Well, I hate to say it, Alex, but it's it's sadly true. There's a war against it because we pay people to do it. You know, whatever you subsidize, you're going to get more of. And if race-baiting, gender-baiting, hostility and rage and contempt and aggression and action against the society gets paid, well, then, you know, if you get a riot, oh, look, let's spend more on welfare. Let's open up a youth center. Let's settle with people who've done egregious things with multi-million dollar lawsuits and so on. So you keep paying for stuff. The more that you pay people who whine and rage and complain, the more of those people you're going to get. And at some point, the vending machine of white guilt has got to run dry. You know, if you keep pounding uh, white people with racist, sexist and so on, and we keep coughing up resources to make this pounding go away, we're just going to get more and more of it. That's right. We've been paying the pirates so long. The pirates now eating the NFL. It's it's a giant trillion pound spoiled rotten baby crapping all over us. Stefan Molyneux, the one the only is our guest. He has a new book out, The Art of the Argument. 
You can find the book at artoftheargument.com. I'm Alex Jones, your host. Stefan, the globalists, it's in the WikiLeaks, want social conflict. They want to guilt everybody into accepting their agenda. Not real free stuff in the long run for the masses. But the backlash is so giant, how do you expect them to counter-strike? And what else is on your radar? The counter-strike is, uh, of course, the attempt to get uh, the amnesty through, right? The DACA amnesty through. That is the uh, counter-strike. And I think that they're working feverishly over time through the GOP uh, and through other avenues, uh, through the media, to try and get the amnesty as much uh, as possible. And, of course, this is going to be a true test of the future of the republic, whether there's going to be a future of the republic or not. Uh, there's It's very clear that uh, the researchers in people in Mexico have an average IQ in the 80s. It doesn't change. You're importing a permanent uh, underclass, on average, of people who are going to consistently vote for bigger and bigger government, which is why Americans did give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt and said, OK, he's not a politician. You know, he's not got much experience, but he sure is talking about building a wall and controlling illegal immigration and possibly even getting rid of deporting or encouraging the self-deportation of the tens of millions of illegal immigrants in the United States. So people said, OK, I'm going to get involved. I did. I was not involved in politics for like 10 years of my public life. I'm like, OK, this is an important enough issue. And now, of course, now the best you can hope for is that the rejection of amnesty seems to be the best you can hope for as opposed to an end uh, to DACA and the self-deportation or deportation of people in America illegally. And so this is one of these moments. People have to make their calls. They have to put their friendships on the line. They have to make the case. They have to call their congressman. They have to reject, as we saw with Luther Strange recently, they have to reject even the possibility of amnesty or they're going to lose the republic as sure as the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Well, I think a lot of it's political. It's the brainwashing of the populations that are brought in and how the schools are designed to never even have basic nutrition. Uh, just even CNN just admitted last week massive IQ reductions uh, with fluoridated water. So, so much of this is coming out. I mean, I know you get into more just the ineptitude of the elites, and I tend to agree to that, but they also kind of have an overarching plan where they admittedly say we're going to use diet, injections, injunctions, Bertrand Russell said that we're going to use fluoride to dumb people down. And, and, and I know it sounds crazy, but they've done that. Well, and there are other things as well, of course. Uh, if you hit your children, it reduces their intelligence. If you don't breastfeed for the recommended sort of 12 to 18 months, it, it reduces uh, intelligence IQ points. And nobody knows how to recover it afterwards. So there is a war on the minds of children. And uh, this needs to be reversed as well. This is one of the reasons I talk a lot about parenting and positive parenting practices in my show, because the children, of course, are the future of freedom. But again, right now, I mean, all of that stuff's going to show up in a generation. By the way, let's talk about that. I mean, 100 years ago, they said we want assembly lines, women in work, formula for babies. They knew it was wrecking them. They knew it was creating basically soulless people to a certain extent. Uh, and it's so sad. What do people do in an economy set up? where you're, you cannot hardly survive and have kids unless you warehouse them. Well, of course, throughout most of our evolution, Alex, we survived on three berries and a rabbit leg a day. You know, so the idea exactly they built it where possibly. they've built all these expenses in artificially. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a giant house. You know, I'd rather live in a trailer and, and be home with my daughter than live in a mansion uh, and ship her off to some place. You know, the, the, the goal of the state has been for many years to separate parents from their newborns. Because, of course, you know, we're kind of like ducks in a way. We bond to whoever raises us. And if we're raised by the state, 
then we're going to bond with the state. We're going to view the state as not just a substitute parent, but a primary parent. And our actual parents is kind of like babysitters. So if they can get you to hand over your babies to the state, if they can get you, oh, put them in daycare, go back to work after six weeks or eight weeks, don't worry. Uh, people, interchangeable people will just be able to take care of them. They're just completely interchangeable relative to you as a mother or a father. Then you're going to get a kid who ends up bonding with the state. And then when the state says, oh, we're going to take care of you, we're going to, people will say, well, what do I want my freedoms for? I've got a lovely nanny state here that's going to take care of me. Women marry it for welfare. Uh, kids marry it for pseudo education. Minorities marry it often for a bigger government. And there are those of us out there saying the state is not your friend. The state is a devil with a friendly mask, but the mask is coming off very quickly. We're in a culture war. You may already know a lot of what Stefan Molyneux is talking about or what I'm talking about. And I get that. So when I'm preaching at idiots out there, I'm talking to the lost sheep. I'm talking to the uh, prodigal sons because, you know, hey, we know you're already awake. It's the folks that aren't really trying to reach out to. But, you know, really, I more and more disagree with that because those of us that are awake have just got to take care of ourselves and then wake up those that are ready to listen. And what a great thing to read and donate to the local library or what a great thing to give to your your judge or your doctor or your principal or your neighbor or your professor or to your husband or wife. The Art of the Argument, Stefan Molyneux. Uh, available uh, right there on theartoftheargument.com. Let's spend a few minutes on your book and how it uh, comports and fits into what's happening uh, today. And then let's get back into world events that are taking place. Well, the goal, of course, is that we wish to negotiate, according to reason and evidence, our differences. All people are going to have differences, and that's productive. You know, it is the sparks that sharpen the sword. It is the creative destruction of rational disagreement that moves our species forward and upwards uh, in, in morality, in rationality, and civilization. So we basically are always going to have disagreements. We're either going to resolve them according to reason and evidence, or we're going to have to use the fist, the gun, the club, the state in one form or another. And of course, my goal uh, in, in writing the book and in, in publicizing the book is to get people to understand how essentials how essential arguments are to civilization. They are civilization and how to make them, how to spot sophistry and to motivate people to pursue the art of the argument. And the art of the argument is a way to convince people with no threats. It's a way to convince people with no force. And it gives you your best chance at advancing your arguments in an increasingly anti-rational society. You know, we've got people who are like, oh, if you're a conservative and you want to speak at a left-wing campus, man, you, what is it? They got to spend a million dollars or more on security just to give you that chance. We got people getting shouted down. We got people showing up with menstrual blood or simulations of menstrual blood all over. They're screaming, shaking their fat arms and screaming uh, about things. This is not how civilization works. Civilization works when we listen to each other, we commit to rationality, and we submit to the better argument. That's how you, you can't lose an argument, because if you've proven wrong, you've got the truth, which is more valuable than whatever you had before. So it is my goal to remind people all the way from the Socratic method forward, just how important the argument is, how much you need to commit to it, because the alternative is living hell on earth. Continue here because I've been jumping in on you and, and interrupting. Get into your main philosophy, what you're focused on right now. You know, the battle for Trump, uh, you know, the battle for nationalism. But I think this Roy Moore uh, election landslide, 15 plus points, uh, shows that Trump rode in on this wave. He is at the wave. And again, I'm not abandoning Trump. He's, he's doing a lot of good. It's just that he's surrounded. We have to realize we can't just count on Trump. It's us. Well, what happened to Trump's people? You know, as you know, Alex, personnel is policy. 
you don't just magically have a policy that animates itself and writes itself and broadcasts itself. Personnel is policy. And upwards of 20 people who were part of the campaign, who were part of the Trump train, have left the administration. And the question is why? Certainly, they did not want to get into politics or want to go through the hell of that brilliantly ran campaign in order to leave. I think a lot of it has to do with these endless investigations, right? We're talking Robert Mueller's Russian witch hunt. To me, this strikes me as a soft judicial coup because what's happening is people are being hit with these unbelievably high, ever escalating, ever increasing legal bills. We've, we've got people in the Trump administration talking about having to liquidate their children's college funds in order to uh, be able to pay off these uh, legal bills from this witch hunt. So to me, this is a way of using uh, legal lawfare for a soft judicial coup to remove the people who drove the Trump train, who drove the, the uh, agenda and get them out and then replace them with the usual big globalist Goldman Sachs GOP insiders in a, in a way of defusing the entire momentum of it. And it's a way of making sure that what Trump ran on, which was no amnesty, and no DACA and deportations to make sure that that gets diluted so that the rich GOPs have their cheap gardeners and nannies and uh, the uh, left have their voters. So I think that there is a very dangerous thing that is going on in America, which is the will of the people is being directly thwarted in a highly visible way. How do we accelerate this cultural victory? Well, People don't have the capacity to judge rationally as yet. You know, it's been scrubbed out of our education. The trivium is gone. Socratic method is gone. Reason, evidence, economics, logic is all gone. So, and sadly, you have to use some sophistic tricks. And most important of what you have to be is committed. People can't judge your arguments, but they can judge your level of commitment. And if you're committed, people are going to start you start to take you more seriously. Now, of course, you want to be committed, not looking like you should be committed. So, you know, it's important to be passionate, but not crazy. Uh, although obviously the line is a little blurry sometimes. But if you're certain, if you're passionate, if you're committed to what it is that you're into, people will get interested in it because most people are pretty foggy and will they're like leaves on a stream or, or dandelion fluffs in the wind. They, wherever the wind is blowing, that's where they're going to go. So you have to be a hurricane of willpower. Uh, and that's what's going to take people. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I've always enjoyed your show is hurricane of willpower should really be your middle name. Now, looking at this NFL thing, I think it's a genius thing that Trump did. And clearly I knew the NFL was going to lose. Now they're calling it the suicide of the NFL. Now they're trying to pull back out of it, but their players aren't going to stop. How do you see that train wreck in, uh, ending? Well, people are going to have to discover their economic power. It's economic incentives that are driving this. As we mentioned earlier, when people complain, they get money showered on them. Oh, gosh, you know, I, I give my kid candy when they're whining, and all I'm doing is buying myself more whining. And so people are going to have to, as they've seen with some of the universities, like the social justice universities have seen their enrollments drop like 40% or more. And so people are going to have to remember their economic power when it comes to directing this discourse. The social justice warriors do not infect organizations to improve them, but to destroy them. They're like, it's like looking at termites in your house and saying, well, I'm sure they're just here to build me a nice cozy extension. No, they're there to eat and they're just going to eat until the house collapses. So the NFL is looking at what, up to $200 million of lost revenue because people are tuning out. Now that's good in a way. I mean, Sports is fun. I love to play sports. I'm not such a big fan of watching sports. And so maybe what people can do is take their time that they used to spend watching sports, educate themselves about what's going on in the cultural wars and start to participate rather than watching overly steroided, half brain damaged people run into each other on a taxpayer funded field. Well, 
exactly. I mean, the NFL became Americana, and then the NFL thought it was America when the commissioner on Saturday told Trump, no, we didn't disrespect America or the veterans. You disrespected the NFL. The arrogance, that's like Marie Antoinette. I mean, we know Marie Antoinette historically didn't really say, let them eat cake. That was, that was revolutionary propaganda. But they were very arrogant and disconnected from the starving people that then stormed the Bastille. And that is a real Marie Antoinette type statement about, no, you disrespected the NFL. Uh, I, I mean, I could see a bunch of veterans have their arms and legs blown off, and then now the country isn't taking care of them, protesting during the anthem, not to attack the flag, but to say this isn't America anymore and flying flags upside down. That's the only kind of group that I think could, could do that and have a reason to do it. No, it's the opposite. It's a bunch of spoiled, rotten babies uh, just that are virtue signaling, and it just shows how disconnected they are and how it's, they claim we're in an echo chamber as libertarians or conservatives and, you know, just rational thinkers. But they're really the ones that are in the echo chambers. I invite them on all the time, so-called liberals. They won't come on because they don't want to have a real debate. They are scared of that debate. Well, they're interested in power. They're not interested in conversation, which is why they're sophists. Like a sophist is someone who doesn't want to provide you with information, doesn't want to empower you, but wants to control you by inflicting emotionally charged and often bullying conclusions on everything that you say to try and frighten you into self-censorship. You know, America with the First Amendment, it's pretty tough to censor people legally, but you can keep attacking them. You can try and destroy the source of their income. You can attack attack them all over the place. Uh, and, and that way you can get people to self-censor. And of course, you have to resist that. that that is the fear of ostracism that we have to overcome. The left knows that people who aren't leftists are sensitive to uh, ostracism, are sensitive to how they're perceived socially, and they use that to attack you. And we have to resist that and say that the, the bad opinion of bad people is a badge of honor. And we have to be less sensitive to that. You know, there have been horrible fights throughout history to try and make the world a more free place. Uh, and the fact that we have to basically deal with mean typing on the internet makes it about the easiest battle we've ever had to face. You know, look at the Somme in World War I or the, or the, the Civil War or whatever you want. I mean, the, the, the amount of bloodshed that has been spilled for freedom. Now all we have to do is get over, you know, mean tweets and we have to uh, fight that kind of war. Oh no, they might say something mean about me. Well, uh, I think people are waking up to the fact that if bad people are saying bad things about you, that puts you on the sunny side of the field. Stefan Molyneux is our guest here today. Uh, Matt Drudge is a story on Infowars.com. Drudge slams GOP no different than Dems. And, and what, well, who he's slamming is the GOP leadership that is blocking all this. The, the Freedom Caucus are wonderful folks. We've almost got control of the GOP. It's why they're fighting so hard. But, but Drudge is absolutely right. And again, we have Trump's tax reform plan with dramatically lower taxes for the wealthy right down to the working poor. And it's the Republicans blocking it. The answer is what we just saw in Alabama in this primary. The answer is remove their asses. And with Drudge at the head of that, the number one website in the world, not just you know site, but total site, we can target each one. And we can show what these people have done uh, and, and go after them. Well, then it comes back to this question of amnesty and immigration. And I sort of hate to keep beating that drum, but it really is the only drum that matters right now. Look at the total cost of illegal immigrants and their kids. They, owe, they outweigh the taxes paid to federal and state governments by about seven to one. Right. So they cost 135 billion a year and they pay taxes at the rate of 19 billion a year. 
So per illegal alien, American taxpayers are on the hook for over $8,000 a year uh, and citizen child. And uh, that's before the taxes are paid and just under 7000 a year after taxes are paid. So I'm a big fan of tax cuts. But if you're going to start talking about amnesty, uh, then you're going to have a no. That's right. You've got to you got to cut spending before you do the taxes or do them together. I want to come back and ask Stefan Molyneux what the world looks like if we fail, if the West, if the Renaissance falls. Stefan Molyneux is our guest. Coming up in the third hour, I'm opening the phones up and I am going to your calls on the NFL, on North Korea. Uh, on establishment GOP senator retires rather than risk primary challenger. GOP establishment fears backlash following Roy Moore's victory in Alabama. That's Bob Corker. The word is flake isn't going to run again. And you see them all arrogant, laughing at Trump, laughing at America, the NFL. They're con men. It's all they do. So remember, it's all, I mean, just a few days ago, the NFL's really showed Trump they're invincible. There's nothing you can do. We're going to piss all over the flag. We're going to tell you America's evil. You shut up. You're going to kneel to us and do what we say. And a few days later, we're sorry. Please come back. You know what? Oh, 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 the president just talked to Jerry Jones. He's going to have them stand with their hands over their hearts. Oh, my gosh. We want to watch a bunch of guys forced to hold their hands over their hearts. I mean, it, the capitulation now even makes it more weak. Do you agree with that, Stefan Molyneux? Oh, it's uh, it's completely ridiculous. The NFL has clear standards that say you got to stand your hand over the heart when the national anthem plays. And it's a fireable offense to break that contract. Yeah, you're it's entertainers. People... You signed a contract. You're on a right. stage. Do it. Yeah, it's like, well, I may be the lead in Le Mis, but I don't feel like singing tonight. It's like, sorry, that's kind of the gig. You know, you've got some rules. Well, I may be a top tennis up. player, but I'm not going to play tennis today. Uh, I'll be an actor, but I'm not facing a camera. It makes me nervous, right? So, uh, no, this is all uh, silliness. Because people say, well, I want free speech. And then if there are any negative social consequences to that free speech, they then say, I'm being censored. Now, again, if people make up lies about you and so on, that's a whole different matter. But isn't matter. that but it, that, that once they get you to go, yes, we hate Nazis. Yes, we hate Nazis. Okay, let's ban Nazis. Okay, ban Nazis. Now, everybody's speech is banned, but ours. We're not going to let you have any free speech rally at Berkeley, but then the next day, the anti-fucking march, and then beat up InfoWars reporters. I, mean, I, I know I wanted to ask you about the future. If you do five more minutes the next hour, I want to get to that in just a moment. But, Stefan, then then that's my question. As And I know that's this five times, but this is what I keep thinking. It's kind of like a computer program or the bubble of death or the wheel of death. I can't get the answer. How do they escalate now, I guess, just towards more violence? Because they just get more and more shrill. They think they're not freaking out or bullying enough. So they are getting more aggressive, more violent. What happens? I, You know, I think that the violence is blowing back on them a little bit, Alex. I think that uh, people are looking at uh, bloodied conservatives and saying, hmm, that does not seem quite right. They're not exactly Nazis. Uh, and even if they were, this is why you can't give an inch to the left. They're relentless. They will continue. They want DACA. And then it's DACA's like America bombed the Nazis into a, into a steaming crater. And somehow we're the Nazis now. No, we killed yeah, them. You, you can't. You, you have to defend Nazis because the left won't stop at Nazis. That's all well. 
Is it okay to punch a Nazi? Well, I don't like Nazis, so I guess so. Okay, hey, guess what? You're now a Nazi, boom, boom, boom. So that all but you have to stop on principle. You have to push back on principle. You have to defend free speech of people you disagree with because otherwise they're gonna appeal to your emotions, say, well, if you defend the free speech of Nazis, you must like Nazism. It's like, no, I just know what the next thing is, which is you're gonna define me as a Nazi and I'm gonna get a bike lock to my bald forehead. So you have to push back on principle because I think the, the, the violence tactic is, is pushing back, it's blowing back on them. So I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna try and go to social media sites, they're gonna try and influence uh, some kind of censorship on social media sites. I think that being out in the open and being violent, uh, the, the movement is not there yet. They'd love to get there, but I don't think they're there yet. So I think they're gonna try other ways to, to suppress the voices that they disagree with rather than as they should engage in debate. Stefan Molyneux is our guest. We're in five more minutes on that question I asked but didn't get to. Freedom Man Radio is his site. InfoWars is our site. NewsWars is our new site. I want to ask him, if the left wins, if the barbarous win, how, do, how does it uh, unfurl? How does it rot? How does the fish uh, decompose back in 70 seconds? 70 seconds. I'm Alex Jones, your host. Stefan Molyneux is our guest. Then we're going to come back. He'll be gone. We're going to be taking your phone calls. First-time callers, 800-259-9231, 800-259-9231. Stefan Molyneux is, is TV host, radio host, you name it, freedomainradio.com. And again, I have people on like him because I admire him, love listening to him when I'm out driving around or lifting weights or whatever because I'm not in competition with Stefan Molyneux. I thank God he's there. And the bigger he gets, the bigger Mark Dice gets, the happier I am, the bigger Paul gets, and he works with us. In fact, I've been too busy to get a hold of him. I don't want Molly to work with us some. It's just we're all in this. Is, this is survival, folks. Civilization is a very thin veneer. You lose this thing. You lose everything. We all have children. I know Stefan does. I do. And it really focuses you and, and I think magnifies what your previous personality all, already was. And I already cared out of self-preservation not out of some great altruistic thing. Now I really care as I see civilization everywhere else starting to collapse and people trying to dynamite it because they can manage the collapse and get more power and then rule some road warrior type scenario. So Stefan, the three, four minutes we got left, what does it look like if we fail? What it looks like, Alex, is I, I want to just imagine this scenario. Like imagine, so you're straight, but imagine you live in a society where you have to every day pretend that you're gay. You got to marry to a guy, you got to, or if you're gay, you got to pretend that you're straight. No, that's happened in the past. If you have to falsify everything about yourself just to get through the day, that is a hideous existence that anybody with a shred of, a shred of integrity finds at the very bottom of the Dantean levels of hell. So if, if we lose and we're not allowed to speak our minds and we're not allowed to be honest, we're not allowed to engage in debate, we have to falsify everything about ourselves every day. We have to pretend and mouth slogans. We pretend to conform to and mouth slogans that we find despicable. We have to kneel down before mediocrities and non-entities and idiots. And we have to live in fear of negative repercussions just for being honestly and authentically ourselves. Anybody who doesn't find that a literal hell is not somebody who's even worthy of being free, but I would find it a hell. I suspect most of your listeners would find that a kind of living hell as well. To have to lie and bow and scrape and falsify means you can't ever 
be honest with anyone. You can't experience love because love is around truth and honesty and virtue. You can't be loved. You can't tell the truth to your children. You've got to shut up at the family dinner table. You've got to kowtow to ridiculous slogans that are so illogical. Uh, it's completely ridiculous. And you have to falsify everything, live in fear, live as a slave, live as tax livestock so that your productivity gets grabbed off and shoveled off to people who are going to vote for more and more people to oppress you. You'll never be able to tell the truth. You'll never be able to be honest. You'll never be able to be authentic. And that is what a zombie life is like. No truth, no honor, no dignity, no love, no virtue. That is the kind of living death we are condemned to at an emotional level if we lose. And that's why I'll do almost anything to win. Wow. And it's, it's an attack on free will. And yes, that's living yes, death. Is. And that's why tyranny always collapses. Collectivism does because the producers finally just give up commit suicide, do whatever, and then all the parasites are just left to kill each other. It turns you from a soulful thinker into a mere meaty machine of exploited productivity. You are turned into something less than an animal. Human beings, what do we have the choice? We have the choice to be human or nothing. We don't have the choice to descend to the animal because we can't rip out the neofrontal cortex. We can't just pretend that the last 200,000 years of evolution didn't happen. The choice is humanity or nothing. And that nothing. That's right. We've already made this terrible. transition. We either go to the stars or fall into oblivion. That's that's correct. And everything that is so beautiful and everything that is so much to be treasured in life has to do with our capacity to be honest. And the people, the, the vicious, soulless people out there who attack you for honesty, even if you're wrong. So what if you're wrong? Be corrected. Be corrected. We all make mistakes. We all should be. That's corrected. right. Powerful. Stefan Molyneux, please join us again soon. Thank you so much. Wow, that was powerful radio. Some of the best ever.